We welcome you here this morning. My name is Kyle. We're kicking off a brand new series called Road Trip. Many of you are curious as to where we went. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter where you go when you have a really good road trip, right? It's all about the journey, all the memories that you make. Some of you this summer, you have made a road trip. Some of you are planning a road trip. Some of you are on a road trip as I speak. You know what I'm talking about? You got one coming up and you're here, but you're not really here, right? You're ready to go. You're ready to go. Uh, for me, my mind goes back uh, to when I was a child, and our family took a lot of different road trips. One was really, really cold. Um, it was to Illinois to see grandparents, and one was really, really hot uh, to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we were rolling in style. I think we got a picture of uh, the car that we rolled in. Um, it's a Ford Tempo. Um, when I was a kid, uh, we had a Ford Pinto. You remember those, right? And then we had a Ford Tempo. Thus, every time you say Ford, my mind goes, uh-oh. They were not two of their better cars. I'll never forget uh, the family, our family, the four of us, packed in this little bitty car, all of our luggage. We probably had some tied on top, and we were driving to New Mexico. And I will never forget, because the car had air conditioner, but it was not a cold air conditioner. I'll never forget, there was a little square button that you pushed for the air conditioner on the car, and when you pushed it, the button turned blue. And the button turned blue, but the temperature gauge went red. Are you with me? Like, it just did not work. This little bitty four-cylinder, down through there. And I'll never forget, riding in that car, and some of the most vivid memories are riding across the desert out there in New Mexico and just watching all of the different scenery and all the brush and all the cactus just go by. And we were inside this air conditioner car and I felt like I was outside with the cactus, right? That's what it felt like. But that was a memory that 30 years ago still hangs in there with me. I'll have you know, our family did not stay in the Ford Tempo. Not too many years later, we upgraded and we got a Caprice Classic Brom. In case you don't know what Brom means, it means you get velour seats. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say velour seats? Velour seats, those velvety seats that, you know, like if you put your finger this way, it kind of goes light. And if you put your finger that way, it kind of goes dark. And my sister and I would take our finger and we'd, fingers and we'd smooth it all out. And right up the middle, we'd take our finger and draw a line because this side was my side. <laughs> and that side was her side. So if you want to ask me what, uh, ask my parents what road trips were all about, it was probably all about me and my sister fighting in the back seat. So these journeys that we're on, these road trips that we go on, and our road, our, our lives are road trips. Our lives are a journey. And as we began preparing to uh, enter into this new series, pastors, we got together and we just started talking about some of the things we've encountered on our journey that we think that probably you've encountered too. Some hard stuff, if you will, in the journey. Because one thing's for sure, you go on enough journey, you're eventually going to break down. Things are not going to go well for you. And in our journey of life, uh, we've seen some things happen, some things that we've experienced have been very hard that we believe other people experience as well. So uh, I've got a lot to say today. Uh, I need to say everything that I'm going to say. And since we're on a road trip, would you go ahead and just buckle your seatbelt because I'm going to drive faster than the speed limit. What that means is I'm going to say a lot really fast. I can't promise it will all be really good, but I'm going to say a lot really fast. And I hope it's going to encourage you as we enter into this time of talking about a road trip. By the way, 
if you've been on a road trip this summer or you're about to go on one or you want to go do a throwback to 30 years ago and you want to do a little hashtag 8C road trip, we'd love to have your pictures and we'd love to make them just part of this fun time together as we get on this road trip. Today we want to talk about a part of the journey that I've experienced in my life and it's this area of doubt. And doubt can definitely be a detour in your journey, in your road trip called life. Uh, it's one of those questions that people, when they get brave enough, they'll ask me, you know, because I'm like a pastor, and, you know, there's certain questions you don't ask pastors, and one of them is, you know, do you ever have doubts? And anybody ever asks me that question, do you ever have doubts? I look at them very seriously, and I say, never. You know what I'd be doing in that moment? I'd be very sarcastic with you. I've experienced doubts in my life. I've experienced doubts in my Christian journey. And I'm assuming that many of you in this room have experienced doubt at one time or another, or maybe you've literally had many seasons of doubt, or you're in a season of doubt even right now. We want to talk about doubt because you don't necessarily plan to enter into the land of doubt. You don't punch that into your GPS, if you will. You just kind of end up there sometimes. You didn't plan it. You didn't take that exit knowing you were going there, but there you are because of things that have happened in your life or things you've experienced or where you are in a season of life, you find yourself in a season of doubt. And there's a couple big questions that we wrestle with when it comes to doubt. Um, and these two questions are coming on the screen for you. And the first question is this, is it worth it? And the second question is, is it true? Those are things we're wrestling with when it comes to doubt. Is it worth it? Will things work out for me? Will things go as I hope for? Is it worth it? In the end, if I stay on the course that I'm on of faith, are things going to line up the way I hope that they will line up? It's a question we wrestle with when it comes to doubt. Is it worth it? Another question that we wrestle with is, is it true? Like, flat out, like, is what I'm believing, is what I'm buying into, is what I'm following, is what I'm doing right now, like, true? Is it valid? Am I going to find out in the end that it all was just a big made-up thing? And so those are two things we're wrestling with, with doubt. Is it worth it? And is it true? Well, I'll encourage you for just a moment to know that the very guys that hung out with Jesus while he walked upon this earth. Think about that for just a minute. Jesus there physically, walking, talking, doing the miracles, all the things we read about in Scripture. The very guys that hung out with him day in and day out wrestled with these two, these two questions. Is it worth it? And is it true? And we find these very guys that walk with Jesus even experiencing and struggling with doubt. They struggled with doubt. In fact, they struggled with doubt so much that when Jesus got arrested toward the end of his life before his crucifixion, they struggled with doubt so deeply thinking, I don't think it's worth it at this point because if he's getting arrested, what are they going to do to me? They eventually see him get crucified on a cross. If he got crucified, what are they going to do to me? Is it true? I don't know. The guy we thought that was going to rescue us now is dead. I don't know if he is who he said he was or not. They all ran away. They struggled deeply, deeply with doubt in their life. But the big idea I want you to get and want you to know that we're going to find true in Scripture, and I want you to know it's true in life, and that is this. 
Jesus does not cast you out if you doubt. That is good, good news because I've had doubts in my life. If you have doubts right now, just know that Jesus does not cast you out. He's not done with you if you have doubts. Just like with these followers of his when he was here on this earth, he didn't say, forget you guys, I'm done with you. He kept going back to them and pursuing them and loving them. A couple things I want to talk about as we talk about doubt, because obviously we want to talk about faith as we talk about doubt. Let me give you a couple of things that, that faith is not, or at least that it's not equal to. Faith is not equal to feelings. We all have feelings. I have feelings. You have feelings. Uh, depending on how our day goes or what we ate or how much sleep we got or what somebody said to us determines our feelings a lot of times, right? What temperature it is in the room, what we've got to do the next day. I mean, our, faith, our feelings sometimes are like this. Listen, sometimes your feelings are going to be all over the place. And sometimes you're not going to feel like you have faith. Or you're not going to feel like God is there. Or you're not going to feel like everything is working out the way that, you, the way that it should. Listen, just because you don't feel like you have faith doesn't necessarily mean you don't have faith. So don't let your feelings decide for you whether or not you have faith. Another thing about faith that I think is very, very important, is that if you have faith, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a lack of doubt. In other words, you can have faith and have doubts at the same time. I know that's a weird thing to say out loud, but it's a reality for everybody in this room. If you've been following Jesus at any, for any length of time, there's been a season of your life where you believed in him, but you wondered. You believed in him, but things weren't going well. And you wondered, like, is this going to come through? Is this going to be what I thought it was going to be? So if you've got doubts right now, I just want you to know that doesn't mean you necessarily don't have faith. And when we're talking about doubt, we're talking about something different than disbelief. There are a few of you in this room, a few of you in this room, that's where you would find yourself right now, disbelief. You just don't believe. Uh, you don't want to believe. Uh, you're here today, but you're, you're not leaning in necessarily. Uh, you're wondering who's going to trip up around you in this room or what I'm going to say that you can say, aha, I got them. I don't even have to believe anymore. But that's not the majority of the people in this room. The majority of the people in this room believe, but a lot of us are struggling sometimes with doubt. We can have faith and doubts, not understanding everything, but still believing not knowing everything, but still believing. Not explaining everything, but still believing. I mean, who in this room can stand up and explain everything that you believe? I can tell you maybe everything that I believe, but I can't explain everything that I believe. There is so much about God that you cannot explain. And so we trust in him by faith, believing that he is who he is, that he does what he does, and that we need him in our lives, and that he's real in our lives. Some of you are beginning to lean into faith. And for the first time in your life, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to do things my way. I'm going to do things his way. And as you've begun to trust God, you've realized, oh, I don't know how this is going to work out. Oh, that didn't really go the way I thought it was going to go. And right now, even in this moment, you're potentially having questions and struggling with doubt. Some of us have been following Jesus a long, long time. And we have questions that we're wrestling with. Questions that maybe even sometime cause us to land in the area of doubt. Well, doubt is a big deal. 
it's something we definitely have to deal with. We definitely have to deal with it. And God wants us to deal with it. And the reason why we have to deal with our doubt, not ignore our doubt, is because doubt can just make you freeze up. I mean, you ever been at that moment where it's like go time and you doubted yourself, right? You're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that or not. What did doubt just do? Doubt just caused you to freeze, right? And some of us in our spiritual journey, we're going along. You're like, oh, I don't know if God can do this or not. And we kind of freeze up, correct? So if we don't deal with that doubt, we get, we get stuck there. God doesn't want you stuck there. We don't want you stuck there. It can paralyze you. It can stop you from doing what you need to do. So we're going to look at a few passages of Scripture this morning. The first passage we're going to look at is from Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse number 30. Incredible moment taking place here in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is out with these disciples, these followers of Jesus that we spoke of earlier. Jesus is here on this earth physically, the Son of God, the Son of Man, one and the same, Jesus. And he's hanging out with them. He's done some amazing things at this point. And Jesus is walking on water. I think that's a pretty big deal. Walking on water. We got to go out on a boat yesterday and have a lot of fun. And we got to kind of, you know, be on the water in a boat. And then we put, you know, pieces of plastic and wood underneath us. And we kind of slid across the water and had a lot of fun. But I've never walked on the water. And Jesus is walking on the water. He invites Peter to come join him. And Peter comes to join him. Peter's walking on water too. So we've got the Son of God, Jesus. And we've got this follower of Jesus named Peter Both walking on water. But Peter did what most of us do when we're following Jesus. We start looking around a little bit. We get distracted from whom we're following, who's empowering us to move forward in life, whose name is Jesus. We start looking around. He started seeing the winds over here and the waves over there. And he started getting scared. He got his eyes off Jesus and he sank. And I'm just here to tell you that if you're following Jesus, if you look around you, The world that was in chaos before you started following Jesus is probably still in chaos after you started following Jesus. This world is broken. There are things that are just going haywire around us. Sometimes it's really, really close to us. And when we look around, we we fall in, if you will. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse number 30, it says, But when he saw, when Peter saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. It's a great prayer to pray. I prayed a prayer that was similar to that when I was a young boy. I didn't shout it, um, but I prayed it. And I prayed it believing that Jesus was real. I prayed it believing that my sin was real and that Jesus was powerful enough to take my sin from me. And I prayed, save me, Lord. Well, after praying that prayer, I went through seasons of life over different periods of time in which I doubted as to whether or not I was rescued or not, whether I was saved or not. I wondered if my prayer had been answered, if you will. And I would wrestle with God, with, with my, you know, my, my talks with him and my prayer with him, still a young boy, on into young teenage years. And I remember there were nights, there were seasons where nights I just couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't you know, close my eyes and go to sleep, worried about, oh no, am, am, am I saved or am I not? Am I rescued or am I not? Am I God's or am I not? And for the longest time, I had these doubts and I had these fears. And guess what those doubts and those fears 
caused in me. They caused in me to, to stop and to get stymied. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't function the way I was supposed to. I couldn't do the other things God was wanting me to do because I wondered whether or not I was God's or not. And so I was, I was doubting whether or not I had salvation or not. Some of you may have been in this place before. Some of you may be there today. And so in this time of doubt and these seasons that happened to me several different times, I struggled with it. I struggled with it bad. Did God rescue me? I had doubts and fears that came with that. And here's the way it worked out for me. And it may be different for you, but I'm just telling you, I went through those seasons. And what I realized at some point in my journey is that for me, I didn't doubt Jesus. I always, if you will, believe that Jesus is who he said that he was. I never doubted that he lived here on earth. I never doubted that he lived for me. I never doubted that he died for me. And I never doubted that he rose up from the dead. For me, it wasn't this intellectual, I don't have enough proof kind of thing. And that may be where some of you are. But for me, it was just, God, I believe all of that. But here's what came to me. I didn't know if I prayed the right prayer. I didn't know if my prayer was good enough. I didn't know if my faith was good enough. I didn't know if I trusted him enough. I didn't know if I did what I needed to do to somehow magically make God save me. And here's where God brought me. He made it very clear to me that my prayer is not what saved me? Jesus and Jesus alone saved me. Can I tell you all the words that I prayed when I prayed my salvation prayer? I can't. I've tried. My dad was there with me and uh, for so many times. I went back to my dad. I want to know the exact words that I prayed. And my dad said, well, I, I'm certain because I heard you that you confessed your sin and you believed in Jesus. And, and what I heard was very, very real. But what were the exact words that I said? I got so hung up on my words and my prayer, and God had to bring me around and say, your words and your prayer don't save you, Jesus saves you. And I came to a place knowing, you know what, I do believe in Jesus. He's my own. I called on him to save me, and he did that. He did that. That's what doubt will do to you. It will cause you to question everything. Doubts for me showed up when I was trusting in a prayer rather than trusting in Jesus. I'll tell you another time when doubts have shown up in my life. Doubts have shown up in my life in following Jesus when I've decided to do my own thing. We call that sin, by the way. When I've decided, you know what, I don't really care what God wants me to do, I'm going to do my own thing. Those are moments where I'm like, ooh, I don't know if this is, ooh. That's when that fear and those doubts began to arise in me. And doubt can come about in so many different ways and for so many different reasons. Some of you have experienced doubt in your life because of disappointment. Things did not work out the way you hoped for. It came up short, and as a result, you have experienced doubt. Some of you experienced doubt because you've been wounded. Something bad happened to you. Someone did something to you. Someone took something from you. God didn't do what you thought he should have done when he should have done it. Someone leaves us. We lose a loved one to death. And in those moments of grief 
and despair, which we're going to talk about more throughout this time in our journey together, we begin to doubt. Some are having doubts because we choose not to believe. And if that's where you are, my prayer is God will give you faith so that you can believe. We like to be in control. We like to keep our options open. As long as you like to be in control and keep your options open, you're going to find yourself in not a place of faith and full of doubt. Look now in verse number 31. This is huge. Peter fell in the water. He said, save me, Lord. Verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And I know we're quick to go to this last part of the scripture. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? But I don't want you to miss that the first thing Jesus did when he saw Peter doubt and fall is that he reached down and he grabbed him. And if you're in a season of doubt right now, I want you to know that the same Jesus is reaching out to grab you and to rescue you right now and to pull you up out of your doubt and your despair. At the same time, Jesus is kind enough and loving enough to say that what we need is faith and for us to deal with our doubt. He knew if Peter went out throughout the rest of his days doubting that he was going to be sunk the rest of his life. So he reached out, he grabbed him, he rescued him, and then he said, you know what, we've got to deal with this doubt. Because you can't go forward and become everything I've got for you if this doubt remains and you don't deal with it. You're following Jesus. This is going to sound very, very strange, but listen to me. If you're following Jesus by faith, doubt is part of the process. Doubt is part of the process. That is God working out things in you to bring you to a place of fuller faith so that you can accomplish what He has for you in your life. Look now to Matthew chapter 21. And I'm not talking fast enough. I'll go ahead and say that now. So I'm going to talk faster because we're not going to get there. Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith, okay, there's that faith thing. There's that trust. There's that belief. There's that, yeah, you are who you say you are. You can do what you say you can do. If you have faith... And don't doubt, you can do things like this, a miracle that he just did, and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. So he says here in verse 21, man, I've got great things for you. And if we can just work this doubt out and cause you to be a place that's full of faith, you can do more things than you ever could even Imagine, so why does God want me to deal with my doubt? Why does he want you to deal with your doubt? Because he's got great things planned for you to accomplish, and he knows you can't accomplish them if you're stymied and stuck in your doubt. Verse 22 goes on to say, you can pray for anything, and, you, if, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Now, these guys probably received that better than we received that. We're like, ooh, I just get to ask God for anything, and he'll give it to me. I mean, if you could ask God for anything, he'll give it to you. I mean, what are you going to ask for? We will naturally ask for things that are selfish. But these guys didn't have to go through the filter, if you will, that we have to go through in our Western thinking, which is all about us. 
These guys have been taught since a young age from the scriptures to have great respect for God and to get on page with what God was doing. And so God knew who he was talking to. And today, God wants you and I to get on page with him so much that we are wanting what he wants, empty of doubt, full of faith, accomplishing more than we can imagine or think. What I want to encourage you to do is not let doubt detour you. But to continue to trust in him, even when there is doubt. we got one more passage we're going to look at. And I told you I'm talking faster. So here we go. John chapter 6. Whew. John chapter 6. Verse number 60. In John chapter 6, Jesus has done an amazing miracle. He fed a bunch of people with a little bit of food. An amazing miracle. I don't know about you. When they say free food, I show up. Anybody else? Now, I've got food in my refrigerator, I've got food in my freezer, and if I want to, I can get in my car and I can drive through and say, beep, and I want food, and they give it to me at the window, right? I've got plenty of food, I'm, I'm well nourished, but when they say free food, I come running, and in that day, you didn't have a refrigerator, you didn't have a freezer, you didn't have fast food, food was like gold, and so when they said free food, everybody showed up, and Jesus has just fed everybody, and then he gives them some teaching. And I don't know if you've ever read the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus are never easy. They're never fluffy. Uh, they're never easy to swallow. They're, they're never easy to follow. Uh, but they're true and they're powerful and they'll change your life and they're freeing. And so he gives them some of these freeing, life-changing teachings. And look at the reaction in verse number 60. Many of his disciples of these bunches and bunches of people that were kind of hanging out with Jesus, not the 12, not Peter, not Matthew, not Mark, not those guys, but of the bunches, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand what the teachings of Jesus, how can anyone accept it? Verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They, they moved from a place of doubt saying, is it worth it? No. What's this guy teaching? Is it true? I can't even believe what he just said. I mean, if you go back and read John chapter 6, Jesus said some incredible things. If you read the teachings of Jesus, he says some incredible things. They're like, is it worth it? I don't even understand it. Is it true? Man, I can't even comprehend it. Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Let's just imagine for just a moment we say, okay, everybody wants to follow Jesus, stay here today. And everybody that doesn't want to follow Jesus leave. And let's imagine that all but 12 of us left. I mean, everybody in the room but 12 of us left, okay? You're one of the 12 left, and we look around, we're like, whoa, would that have an impact on you? Absolutely it would have an impact on you. If all of you 12, 12 of you show up next week, it's going to have an impact on me. I'm just saying, right? They went from like thousands down to like 12. 67. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Jesus knew that they were saying, is it worth it? Is it true? He knew they were wrestling with these questions. He knew that doubt was beginning to arise in them. And verse 68 is just massive. Simon Peter says something that, man, we need to get. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? 
Simon looked around. And he's like, you know what? I guess we could quit following you, but I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life if I don't follow you anymore. I, I, I don't know who I'm going to turn to if I don't turn to you. I don't know who I'm going to believe in if I don't believe in you. I don't know who's going to provide for me if you don't provide for me. So I'm looking around and I'm struggling. I've got doubts right now because I see that everybody else has left and what you just said is really, really hard and you've told us some other hard stuff, but I got nowhere else to go. You're it. You're it. You're it. So Peter had weighed this out heavy in his heart like, if I don't follow Jesus, then who am I going to follow? If I don't follow Jesus, where am I going to go? And Peter says, To whom will we go? And then Peter goes on to speak these incredible words. He says, you have the words that give eternal life. You have the words that give eternal life. He's like, you're it. You're the one. I don't understand everything about you. I can't explain everything you say. I can't comprehend everything that you do. But for me, you're it because there's no other alternative for me. There's no one else that I can depend upon. There's no one else that I can trust. There's no one else that can rescue me. There's no one else for me to go to. You're it for me. If not Jesus, then who? If not Jesus, then what? And I ask you the same question. If you're not going to turn to Jesus, then who are you going to turn to? For rescue of your sin, for redemption of all the wrong things that you've done, for hope in this life and for hope in the next. If you're not going to turn to Jesus, who, who are you going to turn to? And I'll be honest with you, as I was flipping and flopping in the bed night after night thinking, okay, what I need to do right now, I just need to get down on my knees and I need to pray that prayer again. And I'd get down on my knees and I would stop and I wouldn't pray the prayer. You know why? Because I knew I'd already confess to Jesus my sin, and I knew I'd already received him in my life as my Lord and my Savior, and I would look around, and finally I came to the point, I'm like, I'm not believing anybody else, I'm not following anybody else, I'm not trusting anybody else, it's you and you alone, Jesus, I have no one else to turn to, you have been mine, you are mine, you always will be mine, it's the place we have to come to, realizing that Jesus is our only rescue and our only hope. If you've still got options take away your sin, if you've still got options to make it into heaven, if you've still got options on how to do this life without Jesus, the odds are you may pick those options. But when you run out of options, let me tell you who's going to be left. Jesus. Jesus. He's still going to be standing there with arms wide open, arms wide open, ready to receive you. And before you choose to walk away from him, I would ask you to consider not only him, but I would ask you to consider, okay, then what are you stepping into? If you're turning away from Jesus to go your own way, then where is that going to lead you? Where is that going to cause you to head? Ultimately, we understand from Scripture that if you don't choose Jesus and you're not choosing life and through him, you're not choosing the way and the only way to heaven, that you're choosing a path of destruction and you're choosing the place called hell and everything that comes along with that on the road. You've got to consider that because he's offering himself. So doubt in this moment's whispering, is it true? And things don't feel right and things are going kind of chaotic for you. And, and Jesus is reminding us, if not me, then who? Peter said, you have the words that give eternal life. Verse 69, we believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, you're it. You're it. There is no one beside you. There is no one that can do what you do. You're it. 
In this moment, these guys decided to set their feelings aside, to set their doubts aside, and to keep following Jesus. If you keep reading the scriptures, though, you'll realize this isn't the last time they doubted as to whether or not they should follow Jesus. But they just, they keep following Jesus. They have no idea at this point what they're thinking about stepping away from. Do you realize that because of Peter and these others that chose to say, you know what, we're going to set aside our feelings and our doubts and our fears. We know that everyone else has walked away, but Jesus, we're going to keep following you. Do you realize that if they would have stepped away that day and went their own way, there is a great chance that we would not be sitting here this morning. These are the guys that went on to spread the gospel around the world. These are the guys that wrote much of the book that we're reading. These are the guys that God chose to use, even they chose to use, even though they had a lot of a doubt, working all of that out, not being through with them, but working a great, great work in their life. It's so important for you to get this, that if you are just beginning to follow Jesus, just thinking about it, just beginning to believe that those doubts are going to be very, very real. And when you do, Jesus is going to reach down. He's going to grab you. He's going to love on you. He's going to call you to faith. He's going to help you work out your doubt because he knows it can stymie you. He wants you to move forward and to do things for him. It's so important for those of you that are coming back to faith in Jesus to begin following him him again. I don't know what took you away. All of us have our own story, and there's so much more to my story that I could share that's been hard and been difficult and ugly and nasty that uh, there were moments where I just thought about saying, forget it, I'm going to do my own thing, and uh, God had to bring others around me and bring his word around me and bring his spirit around me, and that may be what's happening in your life right now, and you're, you're kind of re-entering uh, this world of following Jesus. Listen, he loves you, and he's got something for you. He wants to do something through you. You'll never know what God wants to do through you until you trust him. You'll never know what God wants to do through you until you trust him. Until you trust him. Some of you are in a marriage right now and you've got serious doubts. And you're thinking about stepping away. God's calling you to stay. God's calling you to faithfulness. God's calling you to hang in there. You're never going to know what God wants to do in and through your marriage until you trust God with it. Some of you are in spots in your career right now, and you're thinking about going this way, which seems right, and, and you know God's nudging you that way, and you're like, this way pays more. You never know what God's going to do through you until you trust Him. Some of you are single And you are doing life differently than almost every other single person on the planet. And you are pursuing Jesus and you are pursuing purity while you're going there. And it feels like everybody else around you is doing whatever they want, whenever they want. And you're choosing to trust Jesus. Be reminded he's got great plans for you. Do not give up. Keep trusting him. You never know. Some of you right now, you're handling your finances differently than you ever have before in your life. You've made conscious decisions. You know what? We're going to start spending less than we make. 
And we're going to start giving to God through his church a portion of what he has blessed us with. How do I know that? Because a bunch of you have started giving for the very first time. A bunch of you have. And right now, you're looking at the bills. You're like, I don't know. You're looking at vacation. We could go here. And you're beginning to trust God. Keep trusting him. He's got great things planned for you. You never know what God wants to do through you until you trust him. I'll tell you a story really quick, and I'm going to be done. And I did not talk fast enough. Please love big time on all those volunteers that are taking care of your kids today because we're going long. My apologies. Here we go. Hey, it's a road trip. You never know, right? You just never know. And I, 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 was, I was fearful I'd go long today and we're going long. I'm not apologizing to you. I'm apologizing to them. Are you with me? You're in a seat. You're chilling out. Some of you are taking a nap. Air conditioning. You're all good. It's those over there with my kids and your kids that I'm apologizing to. Um, I'll tell you about a lady from South Arkansas. Her name's Miss Nancy. And Miss Nancy uh, has been a follower of Jesus for many years of her life. And as she was following Jesus, uh, her teenage girl was killed in a bus wreck. Teenage girl killed in a bus wreck. Uh, We can only imagine uh, the grief and the pain uh, that Miss Nancy and her family went through in losing their daughter. Well, as Miss Nancy chose to push through the doubt that came with that and the pain and the grief that came through that, she just continued to trust Jesus. And as she continued to trust Jesus on that very hard road that was given to her called life, she had a good friend, and she started going by that good friend's house and picking up a little girl every single Sunday. And she started loving her best friend's little girl, taking her to church, pointing her to Jesus, praying for this little girl, and loving on this little girl. And this little girl, about the fourth grade, decided to follow Jesus. So this little girl, in following Jesus, um, began to pray for her mama and for her daddy. Her mama had become a believer many years before, uh, but wasn't really actively following Jesus. And as this little girl prayed for her mama, her mama began to follow Jesus again. And this little girl kept praying for her daddy This little girl grew up, she went off to college, she kept praying for her daddy. And while she was off at college praying for her daddy, her daddy received Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. Miss Nancy didn't know what God was going to do through her while she just continued to push through the doubt and the pain and the fear and the what ifs. But she just kept following Jesus, she kept believing, she kept trusting. And as a result of that, That young lady sitting on the front row right now, she's that little girl who's all grown up. Her name's Terry, and she's my wife. And her daddy is a follower of Jesus now. Why? Because Miss Nancy chose to believe when everything said don't believe. When everything said quit. When everything said give up in despair. When everything said doubt to the point of being What God wants to do through you until you trust him. And if you've got doubts right now, he has not cast you out. He is reaching out to grab you and to receive you. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for this incredible gift called faith. And I pray that you just toss faith around this room And just put it in our hearts and help us to believe in you. We've all got our reasons to doubt. 
We've all got our reasons to walk away. But I pray in this moment that we would see the resurrected Savior who conquered death, hell, and the grave and understand that there's nowhere else for us to go. There's no one else for us to turn to but Jesus. And Jesus is good. And Jesus is faithful. And Jesus is worthy. And Jesus is capable to save us. And Jesus is capable to change us. I pray that we turn to you today, even in the midst of our doubt, and we find ourselves believing in you for you to be able to do through us whatever you choose to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.